It's Wednesday, November 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the uh, Game 3 of the World Series finally took place uh, last night. The uh, Phillies came out and shut down Houston, uh, set a World Series record with five home runs. Lance McCullers Jr. gave up a World Series record, five home runs for the, the Astros in a 7 nothing shutout win for Philly. Uh, just as everybody expected, the the Phillies are up two to one in the series as they head into Game Four tonight. Just what a massive uh, display of power, Joe! I mean, that place, uh, Citizens Bank Park, was going crazy. It was like just uh, you know, it, it's just like we're watching two different games. We've watched the Guardians all season. You know, 162 games. We watched them through two wild card games and five you know, post five ALDS games against the Yankees. And the, the Phillies are playing a different brand of baseball, don't you think? Yeah, it's 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 all long ball. It's all power. And it's all uh, based on the home run right now. And it, you know, it, it's, it, it again, I'm going to say it again. It takes me back to uh, the ending of the movie Moneyball, where they they put this plan forward and it got all the success, uh, you know, sort of recreating a, a team of, of mashers with, uh, you know, in the aggregate, as they said, uh, sort of like what the Guardians did this year with the, you know, they're changing uh, their sort of different way of uh, approaching the game uh, with contact and, and base running and defense. And uh, in the end, it was the team that can hit the most home runs that wins the game. And it, you just can't beat the system, I guess. The house always wins. It, it always goes back to baseball is going to go back to who can hit the most home runs. Uh, it, is, is it going to take a while for maybe that? Cleveland's philosophy that they, they put forward this year to sort of catch on, or is it just a uh, sort of a flash in the pan? You know, I, Joe, I think we've talked about this before. I think, you know, if, if the, if Cleveland, you know, had a chance or has the ability, I think they'll add some power this, this winter, or maybe hope uh, a guy like Anzer, Oscar Gonzalez, you know, adds to his, his home run profile, you know, increases that, that output, but uh, I think you need power to win in the big leagues, especially in the postseason. I think that's that's where it plays. Uh, the Phillies, what are six and zero at, at home this October? They're 21, 22 and nine at Citizens Bank Park in October, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the, their ability to hit the ball out of the park. Yeah, and you know it also helps when uh, when you might have a, a tip or an in on uh, you know what the pitcher is throwing. Uh, a lot of talk, a lot of buzz on social media uh, during the broadcast last night about Lance McCullers Jr. and was he or was he not tipping his pitches? Uh, did Bryce Harper pick up on something after he hit a home run and 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 tell Alec Baum about it before his at bat where he hit a home run? Uh, I. You know, it's pretty hard to argue with the results, hitting five in the game and and Dusty Baker deciding to leave McCullers out there to sort of take one and wear it uh, in that situation so that he can save his bullpen. But, uh, you know, you know, from from what I saw, it, it sure looked like the the Phillies knew what was coming uh, when they stepped into the box. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, I, I thought so, too, Joe. Uh, after the game, you know, I was watching, uh, you know, the post game. And uh, they had Pedro Martinez on, and he was, you know, he said uh, McCullers was definitely tipping his pitches. 
He said when he had his when he came to the kind of the set position uh, and his glove was up above his head or just, you know, with uh, at his head, he was going to throw a slider. And uh, when he when his glove was a little lower, he was throwing a fastball. And he said the Phillies, I, he, he thought the Phillies had picked up on that. He goes, you know, just it just a minute, you know, he said, you know, teams are great at that. You know, picking up a little, you know, like a signal or, a, you know, a little tell that a pitcher has and they will really exploit it. And uh, the Phillies, if, if that was the case, the Phillies certainly did that last night. It's sort of ironic that this happened against an Astros pitcher. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, the team that insisted, oh, it doesn't matter if you know what's coming or not. You still have to hit the ball. You, you still have to do it, you, you know. Stealing signs or not, uh, you know, even if you know what's coming, you still have to produce. You still have to hit the ball yourself. Well, it sort of it sort of works both ways there. If you can do it within the rules of the game, and I don't want to say legally cheating because you're not legally cheating. If they're if the 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 opposition is doing something and you pick up on it, that's just being a good baseball player and being intuitive, uh, not using electronic means to steal the signs. Uh, you got to give Philly credit. You got to give Bryce Harper credit. And uh, it's just sort of sweet poetic justice that that the uh, the Astros, you know, lose because the the other team knew what was coming. Yeah, it is. It is ironic. uh, And, uh, you know, you know, what goes around comes around sometimes, Joe. But what do you think? uh, What do you think about tonight's matchup? And does it has the series tilted? Has uh has momentum in this thing shifted? What you know, everyone thought that you know with uh you know the the series moving to uh to uh, Philadelphia and um you know um um you know with uh you know the with the uh, Astros having a you know an advantage in in pitching that the the Astros you know strength in their rotation would would show up now but that rain out uh, definitely changed things and uh, certainly uh, the Phillies got a lot of momentum last night with a seven to nothing win to take yeah. to take a series lead two to one yeah I think the rain out uh, really helped Philly and really benefited Philly uh, the most and and really last night's uh, blitzing Houston the way that they did jumping out to a big lead. And, and being able to, to to sort of maintain it the way they did without having to use their their top guys in the bullpen, uh, those guys are now rested for Game Four and ready to be used aggressively uh, at at any point in Game Four. Uh, I think that's a huge advantage uh, for Philadelphia, and and they're playing at home. And if they can get this done in two games, in the two games that are left in Philly. That's uh, that's big. That's that would be big because if they don't have to go back to Houston, uh, that would be, uh, you know, I, I think that's their advantage there. Get it done at home where they're comfortable, where they have momentum, where they've got this great crowd. Uh, I, I really think that that can happen again. You're talking about, uh, you know, you're facing who Christian Javier uh, yeah. uh, tonight. And, and he's a guy who could come out and and give Houston, you know, five innings of of scoreless ball. So, uh, yeah, you've got to get it done against one of the better pitching staffs in, in the league. But, uh, you know, Dusty was able to, to to preserve his bullpen to a degree last night as well uh, by sort of making McCullers wear it. 
Um, uh, yeah, it should be. You know, where is, where's Jordan Alvarez right now? Where uh, where are the big boppers in the lineup for uh, Houston? I they need to produce. They need to come out and and hit the ball if 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 they're going to force this thing back to uh, Minute Maid Park. Yeah, right. Uh, Christian Javier's going for Houston tonight. Um, Aaron Nola uh, is coming back to the mound. Their game one starter for Houston, uh, for uh, the Phillies. Um, you know, like you said, Joe, uh, Javier um, threw five and a third scoreless innings against uh, the Yankees in the NLDS. Uh, Nola has been all over the place uh, in this postseason. Against uh, in the wild card and, and against St. Louis. Against, I mean, against St. Louis in the wild card in, in Atlanta, he he allowed one earned run in in twelve and two third innings. In the in his last two starts, he's allowed eleven runs, thirteen hits, and in nine innings. So, you really don't know what you're going to get from this guy. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Yeah, that's what we're looking forward to uh, tonight on Fox Game Four of the World Series. Uh, we'll keep track of that and 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 bring you as many details as we can tomorrow. Uh, just look at, I, I think we sort of buried the lead here, Hoinze. Uh Yesterday, uh, last night, uh, the Gold Glove Awards were announced. We talked extensively yesterday about the, uh, the Guardians' five candidates, the finalists that they had at their positions. Um, and it turns out we, uh, you know, the, the Guardians, Cleveland comes up with four Gold Glove winners, a franchise record, uh, and the most in the American League since 2003 uh, for one team. Uh, Stephen Kwan, Miles Straw, who were expected to win, uh, they take home uh, their first career Gold Gloves, uh, along with Andres Jimenez and and Shane Bieber, kind of a surprise uh, at, at pitcher. Uh, all of them really uh, tops defensively at their positions uh, from beginning to end of the season. And uh, it, it puts the the Guardians in a, a great position to win the overall team defensive Gold Glove Award uh, for the American League when it's announced on November 11th. Yeah, just uh, Joe, I was blown away, man. Four Gold Glove winners. You know, you think of uh, that. Just, I mean, that, that it's kind of unheard of. And I, I'm thinking, Joe, you know, the last what five, six, seven years, it seems like uh, Rawlings you know, who sponsors the Gold Gloves, the award has gone more to an analytical approach. You know, they, they, you know, they, they, they balance the, the votes by, I think the managers and coaches with an analytical uh, segment. And uh, I think that place, I think that may have helped Cleveland. Don't you think with guys like Quan and, and, and uh, you know, Quan and Straw, especially a guy like Bieber, you know, it used, it used to be, it, it seemed like, almost an offensive award at, at some point, you know, when it was just the coaches and managers uh, voting on it. Yeah, no, it, it's purely defense now. And it, it's, uh, it's not as much uh, given to guys strictly on reputation anymore. I don't think yeah. um, it's a 75% of the, the, the component of, of, of the award is made up by a vote of managers and up to what five coaches on their staffs. Um, and they can't vote for anybody on their roster. So Terry Francona couldn't vote for Stephen Kwan or Miles Straw or, or anybody who won uh, for the Guardians. Uh, but but the other managers could and did. Uh, you know, certainly there there were some coaches and, and managers in the uh, American League Central 
who, who definitely voted for uh, uh, Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw after seeing them for 19 games each uh, and what they could do uh, in, in the outfield. Uh, and, and you're right, uh, Shane Bieber winning is a good example of that. I mean, this is a guy, he, he had one error, he only had, you know, 30, 30 some total chances during the season. Uh, but uh, analytically, and, you know, during the, with the strength of the analytics, uh, he was the, the Sabre defensive index is the metric used uh, for 25% of the, the voting component there. And, and he was by far and away the best pitcher in the American League when it came to the Sabre defensive index uh, from start to finish. Uh, Stephen Kwan, I think, rode the wave of the, the Sabre metrics uh, with the most defensive runs saved in, in all of baseball uh, as, as a left fielder and uh, Miles Straw leading all center fielders in that, in that category as well. Uh, all of the analytic components added up to overwhelming uh, success for all the, the Guardians candidates, with the exception of Jose Ramirez, who, who probably had the most clutch plays uh, out of any of them uh, during the season. But uh, analytically, he, he might not have been, you know, the darling. And uh, certainly there are, are guys uh, at third. Uh, Ramon Urias from, uh, from Baltimore, he picked up the award at third. Uh, so Jose Ramirez missed out in his fourth chance to be a, a gold glover. Uh, but always, uh, you know, a perennial finalist in the category. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a, a great way of putting it. I, I remember, you know, as much as I love Omar Vizquel, uh, one year Omar made 20 errors at short and was playing with a bad shoulder, and he still won the gold glove. And I think, you know, what you said, you know, hit the nail on the head. A lot of times in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, guys were winning this award on reputation. Now you have a more... Uh, refined uh, system to, uh, you know, just analyze just how good these guys are defensively. And, you know, I think that's for the better. You know, it's it's a good blend of, you know, old school and new school baseball. Yeah, it makes it it makes it more fair. And and, and guys have these things built in their contracts now. So uh, it, it has to be, you know, all, all above board. And it can't be just, uh, you know, who your favorites are. And I, I understand, uh, you know, Zach Granke, is 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 a an, an incredible defender and and we saw that uh in in during the regular season when you know he he snag line drives up the middle uh you know pitching for Kansas City but uh you know he's he won what ten, eight or nine gold gloves at at pitcher for, during a stretch uh in in both the National and American League uh he just has that reputation i think uh now that you you've got the ability to sort of measure this uh you know with Statcast, with uh, with your your metrics that way, uh, it you're going to see a lot more. There were 14 first-time winners uh, at their positions uh, in in the Gold Glove uh, categories this year. Nolan Arenado, obviously at third base in the National League, he's he's going to get the award every year. But but anybody who's seen Nolan Arenado play knows that he's the best defensive third baseman in all of baseball. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, I'm really excited about uh, Quan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, I think this guy, you know, I mean, we've seen him. We've seen we've seen him since day one. You know, I, I you know, in spring training, I, you know, I really, I didn't get a feel for him one way or the other as a player, as a hitter, you know, especially as a fielder. But you know, once once he hit the ground and once opening day kind of came and went, you know, he just took over. It was it was just uh, you know, I guess it was like water seeking its own level. I yeah. mean, this guy. 
I mean, he, you know, we're, we were both talking before the podcast. This guy might be the, uh, you know, the platinum glove winner, the best uh, defensive player in the American League as a rookie. Yeah, it, he was a big leaguer from day one of the season, and that there was just no doubt it, it, it was he 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 absolutely belonged. Uh, and you're right, uh, that's the award that'll come and, and be announced on November 11th. Uh, the platinum glove uh, is em- emblematic of the. Uh, the best overall defender in each league. Uh, I believe Roberto Perez uh, won it for the guard uh, for, for Cleveland. Uh, and, and I, and I think uh, Francisco Lindor also won it. Uh, so, so Cleveland has had uh, two previous platinum glove winners and uh, you know, it's not insignificant. This is a, it's a big deal. You're talking about uh, the, the guardians with, with uh, the way that Quan hit the ball all season long. Uh, and you know you've got Ramirez and Andres Jimenez being Silver Slugger finalists as well. You're talking about three players in the everyday lineup for Cleveland that are among the best two-way players at their positions uh, in, in baseball. They they do it with the bat and they do it at the plate every game, and and then they go out and they give you top-level defense. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, I was thinking about this: um, Can you win? With Quan and and uh, and Straw in center field, you know, with you know playing every day in two or three outfield spots, you know, Straw what had you know clo- you know close to 500 bats. Maybe let me see. Um, he had you know over 530. He had 535 at bats and he didn't hit a home run. You know, Quan you know hit like six home runs, but you know from power your power positions, but. Can de- can excellent defense offset that, or you know what? How what do you think about that? You know you know what what I'm trying to say here. Right, you're going to play a lot more two to one games, or you're going to be in a lot more one run games, and 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 things like that. Uh, but you're also going to be in the games late, you know, and and close like you were all season long. There, you're not going to have a lot of blowout one way or another games. Uh, because your defense is going to keep you keep the other team honest, and your offense isn't going to give you much, but they might give you enough to win on a regular basis. Uh, that's the way that they won all season. They won 92 games that way this year. Uh, I, I can see them trying that approach again this year uh, in in 2023 with Quan in left and and Straw in in center. If they, you know, if if Straw continues to struggle or doesn't. Uh, you know, bounce back to the way that he was in at the end of 2021. Uh, you know, maybe you move Quan over into center field and you you experiment with, uh, you know, a Nolan Jones or you know somebody else. This is all based on whether or not they make moves in the off season. Uh, you know, big uh, free agent signing or some sort of free agent signing, uh, which I don't I don't really see them doing. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll they'll at least to answer your question. I think they'll at least start off that way and see how it goes. Yeah, it, it's it's you know it's it's like a two-edged sword. I mean, it, it's great defense. You know, you've got four Gold Glove winners. You know, you got almost kind of you don't have a Gold Glove catcher, but you have some awfully good defensive catchers. You know, if depending if Maley and and uh, uh, Hedges come back, you know, one of those guys. Then you've got Bieber. Then you've got uh, you know you've got uh, uh, Jimenez and and. Uh, and Rosario up the middle and, and straw up the middle. That's a strong backbone to the defense. 
but you know, you, you're going to have to add some offense somewhere. There's going to have to be some power somewhere. You know, Oscar Gonzalez had 11 home runs. Maybe he, you know, maybe he stretches that to 18 or 20 this 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 next season. I mean, um, he all, Gonzalez also missed a month with the, with yeah. the rib injury. So, uh, you, you know, there might have been some more power in there, a little more growth had he been able to to, to stay healthy and on the field the entire time. Yeah, so, you know, and, and – Jimenez hit 17 home runs again. You know, is that where where is his power? Was that a flash or was that is that legitimate? You know, so it, it's going to be really interesting. But you, you know, you've got a backbone there. You've got it's a great starting point, I think, defensively because, like you said, you win games de- defensively, and and Francona really truly believes in that. Uh, speaking of Terry Francona and his staff, uh, all throughout the week we've. Uh, looked at different positions and different position groups uh, on the Guardians roster, sort of uh, spinning it forward for the the 2023 season. Uh, Let's talk about the manager and the coaching staff, uh, which, you know, if if you want to hand out a gold star for uh, for the season, uh, you know, for for Terry Francona's career, uh, this might be the year that he he did the the best with what he had. just amazing the job that he did from from beginning to end, sticking with the plan and and having it work out. Uh, but his coaching staff, and he's the first to tell you, uh, he delegates uh, more responsibility than you know probably most managers in baseball. Uh, guys like Demarlo Hale and Sandy Alomar Jr. and Mike Sarbaugh uh, all have responsibilities sort of beyond uh, what their their normal scope would be. Uh, just uh, What's the outlook in terms of, you know, who's coming back uh, and 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 what you expect out of this coaching staff for next season? Yeah, I think uh, you know, in our end of the season meeting with uh, with uh, uh, with Tito and and uh, Chris Antonetti and and Mike Chernoff, I got the impression that you know the whole the whole staff was invited back. Now, does that mean they will be back? I, you know, we don't know. We've seen this. You know, happened in the past where you know teams, you know, other organizations come in and uh, you know they they request to interview certain certain people in the organization, certain members of the coaching staff, and if it's a you know if it's kind of a vertical move, you know, uh, the, the 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 Cleveland usually you know gives permission, but I would think that's this this whole coaching staff, the majority of it, anyways, is coming back, Joe. Don't you think? I would think based on what they did this past season, the excitement to want to be back and, and, and build on what they did and see where they could take this club would, would entice the coaches, even if there were offers out there, uh, you know, to want to come back. Uh, as far as uh, guys who, who might be, you know, be looking at wanting to move up or uh, improve their, their situation, uh, I got to think uh, Chris Valeka, the hitting coach, is a guy who, you know, is maybe eyeing uh, a, a managerial position at some point down the road. Uh, Brian Sweeney, the bullpen coach, might want to be uh, a pitching coach or uh, an assistant, you know, pitching coach as opposed to a bullpen. Uh, if, if an organization came along and, and moved, uh, uh, you know, and offered him that, um, you know, these are these are guys that that Tito knows are attractive candidates. Uh, and and sort of knows our our guys with that sort of upward trajectory, so uh, maybe 2023 is the last season we see Chris Valeka as the hitting coach and Brian Sweeney as the bullpen coach. Uh, 
but I, I definitely see them uh, sticking around coming back next year uh, because both of those areas were areas where the Guardians improved tremendously year over year uh, this this time out. And and really the success that, that Cleveland had was was really built on that. What do you think about the long timers, guys like Carl Willis, who have been around and, you know, are maybe closer to, uh, you know, stepping away than they are uh, moving on and up? I think Carl Willis will be back. I think he's, uh, you know, he's really, he's, you know, him and Tito have that great relationship. Um, I think he's got a great pitching staff here. And he, he just, you know, you can tell he loves what he does. Now, I, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, you never know about family concerns or anything like that. But, uh, um, you know, I would think, um, I would think uh, Carl is here as, as long as Tito's here, I would think. You know, I, mean, guys, I, think, I think that's a package deal almost. Right. Other guys uh, on the staff uh, who you might not hear as much about, uh, Justin Toole, I think he's got, uh, um, you know, ties to, to Northeast Ohio, to Cleveland, that would make him want to uh, stick around as long as there's an opportunity here. Uh, Kyle Hudson, another guy who, you know, he's the outfield coach, and, you know, he, he coached two gold glovers this year, and he predicted it. He said he's got, uh, you know, he told me in September, I think we've got two gold glove winners uh, in the outfield, and that came true. He was absolutely right. Um, that, that I mean, that's a guy who, uh, you know, he, he did a hell of a job with uh, with what he had, and you know, maybe there's an opportunity out there for him uh, to move up and and uh, have a different role on another team. But as far as what he's doing for this club, uh, you know, it, it paid off in in the, the recognition that that Quan uh, and Straw got. Yeah, definitely. You know, Hudson. You know, these guys, this whole coaching staff had to deal with 17 rookies making their big league debut. So this this past season. So that means, you know, the coaching never ends here. These guys aren't arriving, these players, these 17 players and other young players like uh, Jimenez, you know, they're not here in the big leagues as a finished product. You know, they still have to develop. And, you know, guys like Hudson and uh, the hitting group, you know, what like you said, Valeka and Justin o- Justin Toole and, and Victor Rodriguez you know, just did a great job of uh, – you know, selling this approach to to these hitters, not just young hitters, but veteran hitters as well. And, uh, you know, Sweeney, like you were saying, Joe, I mean, you know, Francona has said, I don't think we're going to hang on to him very much longer. I think somebody's going to come along and want him to be a pitching coach. So, you know, it's it's a good it's a good it's a good coaching group. And, you know, and they haven't stopped coaching, you know, that you I think other teams see the progress as the the guardians had made over the season see how young they were but how how well they played you know the, the defense and offense and and pitching wise and uh you know that you know <laughs> the 29 other teams you know don't have blinders on they 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 know a good thing when they see it and they want to if uh, if they want to kind of come in and poach one of these guys you know it, it's kind of this is an open season right now yeah, uh, yeah. Anybody who spends five minutes sitting there talking to Brian Sweeney, uh, you know, can recognize that that this is a guy who's got, you know, pitching coach, bench coach, uh, manager, you know, written all over him. He, uh, just a high character guy and a, and a quality individual to to talk to. Uh, so uh, I, I definitely think uh, the Guardians would would miss Brian Sweeney if if he wasn't there uh, in the bullpen. But 
you gotta you gotta give him credit for for what he's been able to do. Uh, Victor Rodriguez, uh, one of the other ones. I, I'm pretty sure as long as Jose Ramirez is uh, playing in Cleveland, uh, Cleveland will make every effort to retain Victor Rodriguez. Uh, you know, I think the two of them are uh, you know go hand in hand here in in Cleveland and and, and the way that they they work together uh, to produce you know what what Jose's been able to do uh, for the Guardians. Yeah, and we can't forget, you know, Joe Torres came up and, uh, you know, filled uh, Ruben Neibla's role very well, I thought. And uh, Sandy Alomar, you know, just kind of a rock of that, that an anchor to that that coaching staff. He's been here, what, 11, 12 years as a coach and, you know, a, what, six-time All-Star as a, as a player in Cleveland. You know, he's kind of, he's he's kind of part of the franchise almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, Sandy and and Sarby, you can't, uh, you know, you just sort of a foregone conclusion that Sarby's going to be here. He's been around for what thirty years with the organization, more than thirty years with the organization. So, uh, you know, those those are sort of your two cornerstones on that coaching staff. Those are, you know, guys who you don't expect to really uh, be going anywhere, uh, it, even though you know Alomar had opportunity or you know could have had opportunities, should have had opportunities. Maybe uh, you know it's a it's a crying shame that he he wasn't a a manager at some point somewhere else. But I think a lot of people expect uh, Sandy to be the the heir apparent uh, to Tito. Uh, you know, if and when the day comes that Tito steps away. But you know, I don't necessarily see that as being the case. I think uh, I think Sandy's very comfortable where he is. Yeah, you know that that's that's the the burning question, kind of the six million dollar question. You know, if and when, like you said, Tito, you know, decides uh, he's had enough and uh, he wants to change roles as a manager, who who succeeds him and <laughs> those and who wants to succeed him? You know, the way the success that he's had, it's uh, it, those that's a tough job to fill. And uh, you know, I I think Sandy would would be probably very 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 qualified to do so, yeah, given the young talent uh, that this organization has right now. I think any man, any managerial candidate would jump at the chance to to take over once Tito steps away, just based on you know what's what's here and what's coming. Uh, all right, I've had enough. Uh, Tito might not have had enough, but I've had enough. We're going to wrap <laughs> up uh, uh, today's edition of the the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll be back uh, again tomorrow to to talk uh, Game Four and you know what's going on in the World Series and what we've got to look forward to uh, over the next few days here. On the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.